0: This being the first Lord's Day of a new year, let me take this opportunity to publicly wish each and every one of you a fruitful, productive, and spiritually enriching new year. I trust that this new year will bring you much prosperity, not only materially, But spiritually. Amen? Amen. Please pray with me. Our Father, here we are again, gathered as your people, but this time on the precipice of a new year, not new for, for you but new for us. And I come before you Lord with a desire for your enabling, I could do nothing of myself and so Lord I look to you for your enabling this morning that I may simply be the channel through which you communicate to your people, your will, your purpose and your desire for us that we may bring you glory, honor and praise. It is my ambition that Jesus Christ would increase. And Randy Pierce would decrease. Get glory for yourself, oh Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Shortly after his release, an American hostage held for more than a year in Tehran returned to his home church where he shared his faith and, and also his doubts That were part of his pilgrimage during those long, dark days in captivity. He said there were times when all of the hostages felt that God was just sitting this one out. On the other hand, he also explained that he knew of no hostage who failed to rely on spiritual strength during the blackout of that long ordeal. He said the enabling he received was as a result of his quiet nightly dialogues with God. When the lights suddenly go out in your normal way of living in the humdrum of your day in and day out routine, and all of your comfort zones are violated. The question is, what do you do? What do you do? This is the question that Micah, the last four, the last of four great prophets, of the 8th century was confronted with. In Micah chapter 1, verse 1, the saying is, is set. The Lord gave this message to Micah of Morosheh during the years when Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerned both Samaria and Jerusalem. Little bit of background on who this Micah guy was. First of all, his hometown, Morrisheth, was a little Judean village near the town of Gath. You Remember Gath? Who was from Gath? Goliath, right? So it already begins to be an interesting picture. Right on the border of Philistia, the names of the kings mentioned in this verse tell us that Micah preached at the same time in history as Isaiah, according to Isaiah chapter 1. So it's not difficult to imagine that these two men ministering in Judah encouraged each other. As they sought to spread the word of God to a people in need. Micah prophesied for probably 40 or 50 of the 60 years that these three kings reigned. During that period. And while his message was directed primarily to Judah, the southern kingdom, which was enjoying great prosperity at the time, He also had some choice words for Israel as well. The northern kingdom. What was interesting was of the three kings, Jotham and Hezekiah were good kings who really tried to please God. They really tried to do what God wanted them to do and really help the nation according to 2 Kings chapter 15. Ahaz on the other hand, Was one of the most wicked kings to ever reign. In Judah. In fact. He was one who single handedly. Was responsible for selling the nation into idolatry. And so with that backdrop in mind. We come to our text in chapter 7. And we find Micah dealing with a nation. Grieving over its depressing condition. The first 10 verses of chapter 7. Lays out the depressing state. Of the nation and what Micah was confronted with. Disturbed by the internal circumstances. Of low morals. Government corruption. And weak superficial religious sentiment. Defined as religiosity. which We seem to see a lot of in our day and time. Micah predicts that Jerusalem would be totally wiped out. Totally destroyed. Because of the condition that it was in. So let's read from verse 1. Of Micah chapter 7. Notice what he says. How miserable I am. I feel like a fruit picker. After the harvest. Who can find nothing to eat. Not a cluster of grapes. Or a single early fig. Can be found to satisfy my hunger. The godly people have all disappeared. No one honest person is left on earth. They are all murderers. Setting traps even for their own brothers. Brothers. What a depressing scene. What a predicament. Here Micah takes his place with the nation and intercedes to God on behalf of a nation that was going through darkness. At this point the city was stripped of all faithful and upright people, he implies, and violence and murder was flourishing. Sounds like you're reading today's newspaper, isn't it? But if you think that sounds familiar, let's read on. Verse 3. Both their hands are equally skilled at doing evil. Officials and judges alike demand bribes. People with influence get what they want. And together... They scheme and twist justice. Even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is as dangerous as a hedge of thorns. But your judgment day is coming swiftly now. Your time of punishment is here, a time of confusion. Don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife. For the son despises his father. the daughter defies her mother. The daughter-in-law defies her mother-in-law. Your enemies are right in your own household. Now I want you to notice what are you saying here? Is this not a picture of what we see happening today? Is it? Sounds like Mike is right outside on Collins Avenue saying this, isn't he? Because both leaders and judges were not just accepting bribes. The pastor says they were demanding it. Now they were getting paid for their jobs. But they were demanding bribes. And, and, and Micah says it wouldn't be long before the reality of their punishment became a rude awakening for them. We can take comfort in those words because such will be the case in our day as well. But not only that, he says, hardly anyone can be depended on. Friends, neighbors, even relatives, he says, betrayed each other. But notice, in spite of this depressing circumstances, Michael looked intently For evidence of God's working, He didn't give up. He didn't see the situation as helpless and hopeless. He looked intently for God's working, as he fully trusted God to act, but in His own time and in His own way. The imminent judgment of God on the nation meant that Israel was facing a blackout. The lights. We're going out for Israel. We need to be reminded that as long as we are above ground and breathing, blackouts will come. Because blackouts are inevitable. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Perhaps some of you are going through your own blackouts right now in the form of financial difficulties relationships in trouble marriages in trouble sickness ill health blackouts are inevitable in fact the age-old question of why do bad things happen to good people is prompted by blackouts we see it we've seen it all through scripture Despite his thrill of victory on Mount Carmel. In defeating 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah could not avoid the blackout of Jezebel's revenge. Despite their bold stand for God against Nebuchadnezzar. The three Hebrew boys could not avoid the blackout of a fiery furnace. Despite maintaining a, a a faithful prayer life. Even though it violated the king's decree. Daniel could not avoid the blackout of the lion's den. Despite being the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John though he was liked by the king. Could not avoid the blackout. Of an executioner's axe as his head was demanded on a platter. And then what about others we can think of in scripture? History is replete with bad things happening to good people because blackouts are inevitable. They will come. And so Micah's discouraging message delivered yesterday or back then serves as a practical example for us today of expectant faith. Because he shows us what faith actually does when blackouts come. When blackouts come, what does your faith do? While the writer of Hebrews Clearly answers the question, what is faith? In chapter 11, we call it the faith chapter. He begins by saying faith is the confidence of what we hope for or that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's the tool. That's the equipment that God has given us to deal with blackouts. What we need to be constantly reminded of today is what faith is capable of doing when it is applied. See, a lot of us have faith. Many of us are like the, the disciples on the ship in the storm. When the storm started to rage and, and the disciples says, Lord, this storm is going to kill us. What are we going to do? And Jesus' reply was, Where is your faith? We all have it. The question is, What do we do with it when blackouts come? So what do we do with our faith? What does faith do when blackouts come? Well, when blackouts come, faith accepts. Faith accepts the suffering and difficulties as an expected part of life. Notice what Michael says in verse 7, verse 9 of chapter 7. He says, I will be patient as the Lord punishes me. He doesn't say, I will complain. I will gripe. I will grumble. I believe that the squeaky wheel gets the most oil. And so I'm going to make a whole lot of noise until I get some action. He didn't say that. He says, I will be patient as the Lord punishes me. There's an old saying that goes, God Had one son without sin. He didn't have any without suffering. And you know, it's a harsh reminder for all of us of the certainty of suffering in every single life. All of us will face the blackout of suffering at some point or another in our lives. Our faith is actually exposed by how we respond to the suffering. When the rubber meets the road, what does the athlete do when blackouts come? A woman whose face bore the marks of many painful experiences in life said, my cheeks have been slapped so many times, they are now quite rosy. A man who heard someone say, suffering certainly does color life, remarked, yes it does, and I can choose the color. Another man heard, another man expressed a basic principle which guided him all through his life. He said, I determined that I wouldn't bear opposition and difficulties, I would use them. Does this sound like you? Do you bear opposition and difficulties? Or do you allow your active faith to enable you to use them? That's real faith. That's what real faith is all about. The awareness that each of us at some point in time walks in the company of what has been described as the fraternity of the broken hearted. All of us. None excluded. When blackouts come... In fact, when blackouts came and turned his life upside down, it was faith that accepts that enabled Job to respond with a surprising but bold declaration. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Can you say that? When blackouts come and turns your life upside down? When your marriage is all broken to pieces? And your children are disobedient and out of control? And and all those financial reverses are beating down on you? When the phone continues to ring from debtors and you can't pay the bills? What do you do with your faith when blackouts come? Remember, it is the Lord himself who said, in this world you will have tribulations. Jesus said that. So blackouts ought to be expected because they are inevitable. The Bible also declares that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But does it start there? What else does it say? But the Lord will do what? Deliver them out of some of them. And the rest is up to you. Does he say that? The Lord will deliver you out of half of them. 50%. And the rest you're on your own. Does he say that? But that's the way we act sometimes you know. He says the Lord will deliver him out of them all. So we should not be afraid. Of the blackouts. That are Inevitable. We need to understand that occasional blackouts in our lives serve to remind us that our sufferings are not necessarily, they don't necessarily point to any insufficiency of God in God or any immorality in us. It's simply a part of life in this sin-cursed world. What does faith do when blackouts come? It accepts. It accepts the circumstances and the situation. Because it understands that God is still in control. When blackouts come, faith does something else. It also adheres. It sticks. It hangs in there. It doesn't let go. Doesn't throw in the towel. Doesn't say, enough is enough. I'm out of here. Faith doesn't do that. Micah says in verse 7, I wait confidently for God to save me. What this tells us about how faith, real faith acts is that it is patient. It waits. It waits for God to respond. It waits for God to act. Speaking from experience, the psalmist David could say, you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to Him. You believe that? Do you believe that God will answer when you call to Him? That's what a faith that adheres, believes, and stands by. If you've ever prayed and felt that that, like your prayers have, have bounced off the ceiling, this verse gives us an assurance. That as a believer, you have been set apart by God. It tells us how much God really loves you more than you could ever imagine. He's not going to abandon you. Fuck, he said that. He said, "I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm going to be there for you." In other words, I've got your back. Faith out here that sticks; it doesn't let go. So, such being the case. Instead of looking at God through the darkness of your problems. Why not try looking at your problems in the light of God's promises and his awesome power. Can you do that? Because if you do, if you can, you are you are applying your faith as a faith that adheres. That sticks, that hangs in there, that doesn't let go. That doesn't give up, that doesn't throw in the towel. This stickability of faith is seen in the dramatic account of the Apostle Paul's adventure at sea as recorded in Acts chapter 27. Here, Paul's blackout came in the form of a storm and a shipwreck. The peak of the ordeal was the frightening experience of the boat being tossed by hurricane force winds and the darkness was so thick that the sailors couldn't see a single thing but notice what verse 29 says it says at this rate they were afraid they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore so they threw out four anchors not one not two not three Four anchors. I didn't know they had that many anchors on a boat. Oh, you, you sailors. Do you have that many anchors on a boat? Where's Charlie? You do? I didn't know that. They threw out four anchors. And they prayed. For daylight. For Paul. Applying faith that sticks. Meant having the patience. To put down the anchors. And then wait for God to make the next move. Do we do that? When blackouts come into our lives and try to turn our lives upside down? For us this means having the patience to do our part. Then wait for God to do his part. Many times we fail to do our part and we want to dictate to God what he should do. And when God doesn't do anything, we wonder, Lord, what's happening? Where are you? And that still small voice is saying to us, just waiting for you to make your move. Just waiting for you. God is willing to make his move. But we must be patient and willing to make ours first. A Christian woman who was informed that her only son was involved in a terrible accident was rushed to the hospital. When she went to the hospital, she got there with her husband. As soon as they walked into the hospital, her husband collapsed by her side with a heart attack. By the time her pastor got there, this dear saint of God had both her only son and her husband in the intensive care. Because he didn't know what she could possibly be thinking. The pastor didn't know what to say. He was a loss for words. But as he sat down beside her, she said to him, Pastor, I'm not going to make any conclusions about all of this until God gets through with it. In other words, the stickability of her faith would not permit her to be presumptuous enough to jump to conclusions until God finished what he had orchestrated in her family. She knew that God wasn't finished. See when blackouts come in the form of suffering, fate not only accepts the reality of suffering, but also adheres, it sticks, it holds on in the midst of the suffering by waiting for God to get through with it Perhaps you're going through something now Perhaps you're having your own blackout And you're anxious Wait for God to get through with it What does faith do when blackouts come It adheres It sticks It sticks like we used to say when I was small it sticks like white on rice When blackouts come, faith does something else. It anticipates. When we look at the passage, we see a note of optimism in in Micah's testimony as evidenced by the bright glimmer of hope in his proclamation. In verse 8 he says, Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, The Lord will be my light. In other words, even though I'm sitting in a blackout, the Lord will still be my light. Can you say that when your blackout comes? Many people are restless and anxious. Because come July 1st, there's going to be that thing called VAT. Value added tax. For some people, that's their blackout. It's coming. Some people are deciding now that, you know what? I'm just going to go out of business right now. Rather than wait for it to come. Micah refused to settle for a passive acceptance by opting instead for active participation. When he said in verse 7, I wait confidently. I will wait confidently for God to save me. Now let me tell you what this is not, what this is not, it's not shallow optimism which refuses to recognize the reality of suffering. That's not what it is. Some people go through that. It's not a pie-in-the-sky diversion which naively ignores the darkness of the moment. In other words, it's not being in denial. I'll tell you what it is. It is a hope born out of suffering. Something does come out of suffering. It is an optimism tainted by reality. But it's also something else. It's a, it's a light glimmering ever so faintly in the midst of life's darkness. And then we come to verse 10. Notice what Micah says. He says, Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunted me, saying, So where is the Lord, that God of yours? With my own eyes, I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the streets when blackouts come the only person that can be trusted is the Lord. The enemy is warned by a faithful remnant of the nation not to rejoice too much. In other words, don't gloat yet. Even though the impending disaster is a direct result of the people's sin to the shock of their enemies the Lord will nevertheless restore His people. You see God is true to his word. When he says I won't leave you and forsake you. He meant that. And he still does. And so as it was for an American hostage in Tehran. So it was for Micah in Israel. His quiet nightly dialogues with God. As a result of his active faith. Not passive faith. But active faith. Is what saw him through. While God didn't remove the reality of the suffering or even take away the pains that were inflicted as a result of the suffering, He did, however, provide hope that in the darkness of this temporary failure, there would be an eclipse of light The light of God's eternal glory. And he will do the same thing for you and me today. When we encounter the blackouts in our own lives. What does faith do when blackouts come? It anticipates. It anticipates that God is still on the throne. That God is still alive. That God is still working. That God is still moving. That God is still working on behalf of his people. But as we close. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Because blackouts are inevitable. So what did Micah do when the blackouts came? Notice, he demonstrated great faith in both God personally, as we see in verse 7, and also on Israel's behalf, as we see in verses 8 through 10. And he publicly stated That he would wait on God Because God hears and saves When help is needed Now we say that But do we really believe that? Micah did And he declared that publicly He believed He stated publicly also That God would not fail To bring his people through When times were tough And he's still doing that today He publicly has stated that Israel must be patient in the punishment because God would bring them out of the darkness. God would deliver them from the blackouts that they were experiencing. Just wait, he says. Be patient. God has not given up. And then he also stated publicly that their enemies would be punished by God himself. What blackout are you experiencing? Here's our application. Each of us can use this each of us can have the same kind of relationship with God that can allow us to have confidence just like Micah. Instead of taking extraordinary talent all it takes is faith in God and a willingness to act on that faith by understanding that when blackouts come Faith doesn't just sit idly by it accepts it adheres and it anticipates what does your faith do when your life are invaded by blackouts when your life is turned upside down is your faith passive is it idle or is it active I trust that as you leave here today You would think about that. And you would think that, think about the fact that God has given you the greatest tool that you could ever have to conquer any blackout that invades your life. The tool of faith. It's simply a matter of what you do with it. Amen? Father, your word reminds us that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. And faith is one of those things. It has moved mountains. It has done a tremendous amount of things in the lives of so many who acted on it. We pray, Lord, today that as we leave here and we go about our daily lives and encounter all the difficulties that turn into blackouts in our lives, we would be able to have an active faith like Micah. A faith that accepts the circumstances because we know that God will not allow us to go through anything unless it is filtered by him first. A faith that sticks. A faith that anticipates God's next move. Lord, bless us as we trust you To enable us to have an act of faith. And as a result, give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. For this we pray, in Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.